Good morning. This is Northern Light for Wednesday, February 28th. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. Many environmental leaders in the Adirondacks are lamenting the resignation of the director of the state's Department of Environmental Conservation. He was a commissioner that understood these lands are for all of the people of New York State. His actions always tried to find balance between uses and protection. We've got a follow-up story on the legislature's decision to vote down new congressional maps in New York. Democrats could vote again today. We saw that there were some places that people like to use the word defects, but we thought that there were areas that could be improved upon, uh, and that's what we did. And the latest report from the USDA shows that maple production continues to grow in New York State. We'll talk with a maple researcher in the Adirondacks who says the North Country is a big part of that. It's exciting to see that maple production is growing. The value in the industry has been growing quite a bit. So that's been exciting that we're seeing, I think it was like a 20 or 30 percent increase in the value of the crop. All of that's coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by Blue Seed Studios, Saranac Lake, promoting community involvement in the arts on the web at blucstudios.org and by Mountain Orthotic and Prosthetic Services, a full-service practice committed to providing care for patients of all ages with offices in Lake Placid, Plattsburgh, and Malone. Details and referrals at mountainonp.com. This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. New York State owns about 44% of the land in the Adirondacks. The state's Department of Environmental Conservation plays a key role in managing that land and influencing many other aspects of life inside the Blue Line. Last week, the head of the DEC announced he's leaving the job this spring. Many environmental leaders in the Adirondacks say Commissioner Basil Sagos' leadership at the DEC will be missed. WAMC's Pat Bradley reports. Basil Sagos is the DEC's longest-serving commissioner. He was appointed in 2015 by then-Governor Andrew Cuomo. In November 2018, Sagos announced he would leave the post, but walked back the announcement in February 2019. I think it is a sad day for all of New Yorkers that Mr. Sagos is leaving his position as the commissioner of DEC, and particularly sad for the Adirondacks. Adirondack Park Local Government Review Board Executive Director Jerry Delaney met Sagos on his first day of work in the governor's office when he was the assistant deputy secretary for the environment. He was a commissioner that understood that these lands are for all of the people of New York State and I believe his actions always tried to find balance between uses and protection. And I think we have lost a really great advocate for the environment, but also the recreational aspects inside the park. 
Town of Minerva Supervisor and Adirondack Association of Towns and Villages President Stephen McNally says Sagos understands the additional regulatory issues communities in the Adirondack Park face. I hate to see him go. He's been great for the communities in the Adirondacks. He's done a great job. I think the key about Basil is that he's he's been accessible. In the Adirondacks, we have to deal with the Adirondack Park Agency and a whole set of regulations that most people in the state don't deal with. And he's been a good conduit to talk about some of these issues. But also, you know, I think with all the state land purchases, and I've been involved with a lot of those, he's been very good as far as uh, helping us with plans. You know, we have a whole other layer of government above us. That complicates things, and I think that Basil understands that, and like I said, he's a very good listener. Adirondack Council spokesperson Justin Levine says Sagos has done a commendable job overseeing the state's varied environmental issues. We've faced a lot of uh, statewide issues with climate change and hurricanes and invasive species and industrial pollution. And uh, I think the biggest thing is probably New York State's climate leadership, particularly with the 30 by 30 legislation and the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act. Those are nation-leading efforts that will help New York State fight climate change, preserve our natural spaces, and continue to allow the Adirondacks to be sort of the lungs of the Northeast. Uh, These are our big goals, and we found that Sagos never really shied away from them. Not everyone is impressed with the commissioner's tenure. He ran a very closed agency, didn't want to hear opposing voices. Protect the Adirondacks executive director Peter Bauer has often criticized Sagos and DEC actions in the Adirondacks. You know, he's the first commissioner in the 50-year history of the DEC to violate Article 14, the famed Forever Wild Clause of the state constitution. He did that as he was rapidly trying to undertake the biggest expansion of motor vehicles in the history of the Forest Preserve. He was always using Forest Preserve management as a bargaining chip to further the political objectives of the governor. The high point of his record will be his work on the climate action plan. We haven't even begun to really put that plan in place, but his lasting accomplishment will be that he helped to put the plan together. In his letter to staff announcing his departure, Sagos notes it is the right decision for him and his family and says serving as commissioner, quote, has been the honor of my life, unquote. In Plattsburgh, I'm Pat Bradley for the New York Public News Network. by Tay Chung in Lake Placid. You're listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. 
Coming up on 8 Minutes Past 8, good morning, I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Coming up, it's maple syrup season, and we'll check in with a maple researcher in the Adirondacks for a State of the Taps report on the New York maple industry. That conversation in just a few minutes here on Northern Light. Broadcast of Northern Light is supported by North Country Children's Museum, Potsdam, with hands-on and minds-on exhibits and programs for children 12 and under and their families. Open Wednesday to Sunday, 10 to 5, northcountrychildrensmuseum.org. And by Fort Dela Presentation, hosting the 10th anniversary St. Lawrence Valley Primitive Snowshoe Biathlon, March 2nd and 3rd at the St. Lawrence Sportsman's Club in Lisbon. Details at fort1749.org. Democrats in the New York State Legislature say they hope to vote on the latest version of new congressional district maps as early as today. Karen DeWitt reports Republicans say the new lines favor Democrats. Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty, following a closed-door meeting with his Democratic members, says lawmakers will vote as soon as Wednesday on the lines drawn by the Democratic majorities in his House and the state Senate. Democrats on Monday rejected maps approved by the state's bipartisan redistricting commission earlier in the month. Hasty says those maps needed revision. We saw that there were some places that people like to use the word defects, but we thought that there were areas that could be improved upon. Uh, and that's what we did. The speaker says he's requested what's known as a message of necessity from Governor Kathy Hochul to forego the three-day public aging process required for the legislation. The decision to alter the lines from the commission's recommendations could help influence which party controls the U.S. House of Representatives. In 2022, after lines drawn by the Democrats were rejected by the state's highest court for being unconstitutionally gerrymandered, a court-appointed special master drew the lines for that year's elections. Critics say that contributed to four seats flipping from Democrat to Republican and helped the GOP narrowly regain the House. The new lines could benefit Democratic incumbents Jamal Bowman in the Hudson Valley and Tom Swasey. He recently regained his Long Island-based seat after George Santos was expelled in late 2023. The new configuration could also potentially disadvantage Syracuse-area Republican Brandon Williams. His district would now include more Democratic-leaning voters. Speaker Hasty says House Minority Leader New York Congressman Hakeem Jeffries was involved in designing the new maps. But Hasty denies that they now favor Democrats. We are not allowed to draw lines with uh, political considerations in mind. Assembly Republican Minority Leader Will Barkley says the new lines most definitely do favor the other party. Yeah, without a doubt. I think the numbers would bear those out. Uh, but it, we are in a blue state and, um, you know, I think things could actually be worse. He says with Democrats in full control of the legislature, the lines could have been even more unfavorable to the GOP. And he predicted that some of his members will approve the new maps. Barkley and other Republicans say Democrats, though, are thwarting the will of the people by rejecting the bipartisan redistricting commission's maps, which that panel approved by a nine to one vote. The commission was created in a constitutional amendment that was approved by the voters in 2014. 
Governor Hochul defends the Democrats' decision to draw their own maps. She says the Constitution also allows the legislature to revise the lines if they're not satisfied with the commission's option. It is the prerogative of the legislature to vote yes or no, and if they vote no, they have an alternative. That's exactly what is allowed in the Constitution, so they're wrong in their assessment. Hochul, who spoke earlier in the day, did not rule out issuing a message of necessity to allow voting to begin early, saying she wants the lines to be in place as soon as possible. Petitioning for primary races has already begun. There's a sense of urgency around this. People are out there with their petitions already, so I'm anxious to have this uh, chapter wrapped up as soon as possible. I believe the legislature wants this wrapped up uh, within the next day or so. So, no, we're taking it very seriously. Whenever the vote is taken, it is not likely to be the end of the process. With the control of the House potentially at stake, it's expected that state GOP leaders will challenge the Democrats' newest lines in court. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt for the New York Public News Network. An affordable housing nonprofit in Watertown has received $5 million from the state to renovate homes for low- and middle-income families in the city. According to the Watertown Daily Times, this money will allow neighbors of Watertown to renovate 150 homes. Michael Lumbus is the city's planning and community renewal director. He told the paper the money will have a tremendous impact. They will be able to fix up as many single-family homes in two years as they have in the last two decades. Watertown residents can apply at neighborsofwatertown.com. The money will go to residents with the highest need. The funding comes from New York's Homes and Community Renewals Targeted Home Improvement Program. The Clinton County Sheriff's Office has seized 49 dogs from an animal shelter north of Plattsburgh earlier this week. Catherine Wheeler reports police say the dogs were found malnourished and injured. The Clinton County Sheriff's Office executed a search warrant at a canine gem in Beekman Town on Monday. The office started investigating the animal shelter after people who had adopted dogs called with concerns. They were on bare concrete floors. Sheriff Dave Favreau says the dogs were found malnourished, some severely underfed. Many of them have uh, injuries and issues with their paws and other other injuries that we're having looked at right now with the vets and, and hopefully we can be able to rectify. The dogs are now in a housing unit attached to the county's jail. Veterinarians and volunteers are evaluating the dog's health and monitoring them. Police say it's an active investigation and the charges are not yet finalized. But Clinton County District Attorney Andrew Wiley says a canine gem owner, Hillary Davis, is facing New York State Department of Agriculture and Markets violations. So I believe there's 20... Uh, five uh, counts of a violation of the, uh, for the condition of the dogs. And then there's approximately 45 counts of charges for um, the facility itself and the condition uh, of that facility involving each of those um, dogs. The sheriff's office says they're also investigating if Davis has more animals locally. Favreau says they're also looking across the lake in Vermont, where Davis operated another animal shelter. According to news reports, police had also received complaints about the dog's health at her facility there. The Elmore SPCA, which is caring for the dogs, says they aren't adoptable yet, but they're working on getting each of them healthy. Catherine Wheeler, North Country Public Radio. Two North Country towns are receiving federal funding to improve their municipal water systems. According to a press release from Senators Chuck Schumer and Kirsten Gillibrand, the towns of Messina and Adams are set to receive approximately $1.9 million in grants. And just over $3 million in loans from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Both towns plan to use the money to continue developing new and existing water districts. The USDA is providing more than 
$80 million in loans and grants to rural New York towns to expand access to clean drinking water. And Governor Hochul says schools will now have access to $20 million to start school-based mental health clinics. Hochul says she wants every school that wants a mental health clinic to have one. She says it's part of her $1 billion plan to improve New York's mental health system. The state has also launched a rolling application to apply for the funds. Officials say that will make it easier for schools to access grants. There are already around 100 school-based mental health clinic sites around the North Country. The clinics help to identify students' mental health needs earlier and work with families. Listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandraski. In just a minute, recent mild weather means the maple syrup season is underway. We'll get an industry update from an Adirondack maple researcher. Then stick around after the show for Bird Note How Noise Pollution Affects Birds. That's coming up at 8.42. First, Todd has a look at the weather for us. It's going to be warm again today with the Weather Service predicting highs in the 60s for much of the region this afternoon. We've also got wind and rain showers moving into the region this afternoon, tonight, and into early tomorrow morning, according to the Weather Service. And here's the deal. We're going to see highs in the 60s this afternoon, lows in the teens this tonight and overnight, and highs tomorrow in the low 20s. So we're going to go from the 60s down into the teens overnight, and then a high in the low 20s tomorrow afternoon. That's the weather service forecast as that storm system moves in with high winds. We have high wind warnings and advisories from 1 o'clock this afternoon through 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. Wind gusts up to 40, 50, maybe even 60 miles per hour at times. Trees possibly damaged and power lines, some power outages possible overnight tonight and early tomorrow. Uh, and then that rain probably changing over to snow uh, tonight. Then clearing skies tomorrow by the afternoon on Thursday. The weather service says partly to mostly sunny. Friday, partly cloudy, a little more stable with uh, winds out of the southwest and highs in the 40s. And over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday at this point, partly cloudy, highs 40s and 50s. Right now we have showers and 55 degrees here in Canton. Okay, so... I am turning the tables on our occasional sound quiz, Monica. No. Listen closely. Oh, no. What is this sound? No. The sound of my incompetence with these <laughs> things. No. <laughs> no, okay. So... I, I'm going to be very unfun for a second. Well, we know it's maple yeah, because we're doing a maple syrup segment. <laughs> I'm going to be very unfun for a second, Todd. When I was putting the billboard together, I had to get audio from uh, from from Adam Wilde to put together the billboard. And I may have seen a file called maple drip dot wave. 
Is it the sound of maple dripping well, into a bucket? Well, it was hermetically sealed. Oh, but, no. <laughs> uh, no, just kidding, just kidding. Yeah, that is, cool. uh, that is the sound of a bucket in my backyard with a tap in the tree. Oh, and wonderful. It, yeah, it is maple syrup season, arriving much earlier than once expected. Warming winters means the sap is flowing earlier from New York's maple trees, changing the production schedule for some maple syrup farmers. Sap only runs, as you may know, under certain circumstances. Below freezing nights and then warm days are usually best. Those are the kind of temperatures this area used to experience in mid-March, but now they've become much more common earlier in the winter. I caught up with Adam Wild, director of the Eline Maple Research Forest near Lake Placid, where his crew taps trees for syrup. They also researched the management, health, and genetic improvements of sugar maple trees. The latest USDA report shows maple syrup production continues to grow. It's still an important cash crop in New York State. And Adam Wild says the report also shows continued growth in the industry, up about 6% in 2022 from the year before. He says counties here in the North Country continue to lead in maple syrup production. I was a little surprised. I thought that Clinton County would be our top producing county in New York State. I still think it is. I think there's some discrepancies in the data. Unfortunately, where the data is only as good as the farmers who respond to the survey. Um, and so, and we know overall that the the actual data that's out there is undercounting a lot of syrup production, especially in New York. We actually think that the maple syrup production is probably double of what the survey actually shows. The survey shows that New York's producing around 800,000 gallons of maple syrup, but it's probably more like 1.6 million gallons, most likely. So there's some discrepancies, but Clinton County came in at the number two producing county in the state behind Wyoming County out in western New York. St. Lawrence County is up there, not too far behind Clinton County, so a high producing or high production county as well. And Lewis County, which has always been a big production county. We've seen you know some growth in some of these areas like Clinton County especially, um, but Lewis County is is up there in the top five producing counties in the state. And you know other counties as well, you know, Franklin County, Essex, Jefferson, down in Washington County are big producing areas for maple syrup production. So it's exciting to see that maple production is growing. The value in the industry has been growing quite a bit. So that's been exciting that we're seeing, I think it was like a 20 or 30% increase in the value of the crop um, within the industry. So, so that's great. So the, the graph is going in the right direction in terms of, you know, folks making maple syrup and that's really, that's got to make you feel good. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's exciting to be in an industry that, that has growth. It's got a lot of positive, you know, kind of attributes about it. everybody loves maple syrup, right? And I think the things that help it grow is, and even during COVID where more people, you know, were staying home. So there's a lot of b- growth in backyard maple producers of people, you know, wanting to do stuff in their, their own yard, produce their own food. But the commercial industry, you know, is where we, is the, where we see the significant influence on maple production. But that you know, there's people that are doing it. Some of the equipment and innovations and research that we do here and other places that have allowed maple production to be a little more efficient and more profitable. You know, so instead of if you wanted to tap, say what they used to do at the Horseshoe Forestry Company in Tupper Lake back in the late 1800s, where they needed 200 people to tap, you know, 80,000 trees. Now you can tap 80,000 trees with maybe 10 people, and so things like that that really help. The industry to move forward, and then the other big part is that consumers 
you know, want more natural food products. They want kind of a clean label. So when you flip your the label over and look at the ingredients, that there's not a whole paragraph with a bunch of words you can't pronounce, but that that ingredient is just maple syrup. And so that's exciting, you know, and from a consumer standpoint, they want that good quality, clean food, know where it comes from. So that has helped maple production growth. So you've been you've been meeting and, and talking with some beginning maple producers, uh backyard folks, you know, small scale producers. So the options are you boil it yourself or maybe um you know places like the wild center and tupper lake are inviting people to drop off their their sap but what other advice is there for you know folks who may not have all the equipment they need to make their own syrup that's a great question and you know i encourage folks to even tap a tree whether it's one tree in your yard your maple tree that you know you don't even have to boil it you can actually drink the sap that could be one method there's actually natural electrolytes and antioxidants that's um, you know, you can drink it just like water. We fill our water bottles with it, so you can make soups with it. Use it to make your coffee or tea instead. Um, so there's different things you can do just with the sap. It could be fun to do with your kids or something like that, or just kind of that spring tonic that you can get as we're coming out of winter. So that's what I like to tell people. You know, tap a tree even if you don't boil it. But then another factor: sometimes you don't have the time to sit there and boil, or you don't have the equipment, so it's not as efficient, and it takes a lot of work and a lot of time. You know, or maybe you want to try it once or twice, but then you've said, well, I've, I've, I've done this, but this is a lot of work. I, I don't want to do it, but I like tapping the trees and collecting the sap, and I don't want to invest in the bigger equipment. So that option then is to you know, drive down the road and find a, a maple producer who has all the equipment, and they might be willing to boil your sap for you. They won't be separate. They'll mix it in with their sap, and they'll usually give you a percentage of the syrup that's made from that back. So maybe... You know, they'll calculate how much sap you brought and how sweet it was, and we can figure out how much syrup that would make. And then maybe you'll get two thirds of it or half of it back as finished syrup. So that's a great way to not have to invest in all of the equipment that you can tap trees. So not every maple producer is going to want to do that. I do have a few different producers, some who are tapping a thousand trees, down to some who are tapping five trees that will bring me the sap and. Um, you know, we record, I have a clipboard, they can write down how much sap they brought in each day. And at the end of the season, then I factor out how much syrup it would have made. And then they get a proportion. So of that finished syrup back. So that's a great way to do it, you know, and great way to meet your neighbors around you. So, you know, drive down the road. If you see a sugar house, pull in the bigger the operation, the more equipment they have, it's probably easier for them to handle. Or if you're not sure where a maple producer is around you, if you go to the New York State Maple Producers website, nysmaple.com, and go under um, you know purchasing syrup for retail. And there's actually a whole map that shows producers that are members of the state association. So it's maybe not every producer, but members uh, on that map. And you can kind of pinpoint and find, and their contact information is there. You can find producers who are near you. Adam Wild is director of the Eline Maple Research Forest near Lake Placid, where he and his crew tap trees for syrup and also research the management, health, and genetic improvements of sugar maple trees. It's 827. It's maple syrup time. It's maple syrup time. First you get the buckets ready, clean the pans and gather firewood late in the winter. It's maple syrup time. 
favorite and what, what sing a, along if you'd like sing, sing along. along if you know it what a peppy take on pete seeger <laughs> <laughs> so good well that is the show for the day morning edition continues in just a minute then join us at lunchtime today for a conversation with the director of uh, dune part two which opens this week that's a conversation with denis villeneuve about the work that inspired him from comic comic books to jaws that's between noon and one today right here on North Country Public Radio. We'll send this song to Peter Toshi In late winter I just know she's whispering soft It's maple syrup time Thank you so much for listening. It is maple syrup time. Pete Seeger, we love you. Tashi as well. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandrasky. Be well.